Welcome to the Cyber 30903 podcast, where we are securing the path to a more secure future in cybersecurity. Uh, today, our guest is Jack Scott, uh, electronic warfare leader, former special forces, all around certified most interesting woman in the world. Uh, she's worked in GovCon, uh, all types of different cyber positions, and you know, very, very passionate about what she does. Um, and really cool background. It's been a fun you know, month or two getting to know Jax uh, in, in what she's focused on and why she's so passionate about what she does. So Jax, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time. Um, if you would, kind of give a, a brief overview of, of who you are and, and what you're excited about. Hey, Doug. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, you covered a lot. Uh, I do have a very diverse background in the fact that I've spent a lot of my time in the DOD, but I was working not just in the DOD, but in the special ops. And within that department, I was part of a special team that supported what you call like Operation Detachment Alpha or ODAs that would work in villages and remote areas to uh, attain information and build the intelligence picture in those areas. That's where my my intelligence began, the birth of that. And then that led me into with my coupled with my background of security, cybersecurity, information technology. I just combined those, the love of both. And then that's what kind of led me to where I'm at today, where I do cyber threat intel. That is awesome. That is um, much cooler than anything on my resume. But we'll, we'll, I'll kind of live through you and, and pretend that I, I've been there. But that, that's awesome. I'm sure you have stories to tell and if, I know that I've heard a few of them already uh, and it's just super cool and like like I shared with you Jax you know the whole goal of uh, this show and what what AFC is is hoping to to share is just what's out there um, it, within within this whole world of cybersecurity and intelligence and, and really the whole information warfare realm that we hear so much about um, unfortunately it's just not as as visible right to, to younger folks coming up and I know you're thankful that, that uh, you were introduced to it and now live and breathe it and um, get to talk about it with people like me. So really excited to kind of get into some overall just cyber topics and fun questions and stuff for you. So we'll start off in, in your own words. How would you describe cybersecurity to the uh, everyday person? Yeah, to keep it simple, because I'm all about keeping it simple, and it's really about protecting protecting your infrastructure, that is your hardware, your software, any mobile devices, anything that's electronic, um, your Siri devices, anything that you have that might run on Wi-Fi. It's just taking that into taking that one extra step and just protecting the overall infrastructure. That's cybersecurity, and it starts at the lowest level. Right. Yeah. My, you know, a former guest, Tom Barnes, was on and, and really opened my eyes. I know to just just all the devices and all the um, things that run on Wi-Fi around us, from refrigerators to beds, watches, literally everything. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh everything. my gosh! It was kind of frightening, you know, at first. Um, but you just kind of reiterated that point. And so it's obviously a lot of a lot of different industries involved, and so many things going on, and it's developing changing rapidly um and i know i know for you with, with someone your career all the things that you've done all your interests i know me and you both have a, a a number of hobbies that we enjoy outside of work was there a specific moment or, or you know instance where you really felt like okay this is my calling this this is really what i want to dedicate my time to like 
talk talk to us about what that moment or series of moments maybe uh, was like for you. Yeah, I was not a person that had that epiphany and that light bulb moment where, or I was born knowing that I wanted to be in cybersecurity, like some people do, and I I actually envy those type of people. And it was my my background is extremely interesting. Is I grew up around uh, cybersecurity. Even my father was doing. He worked on IBM computers back when IBM like computers were you know 800 square feet. He used to work for a bank, and he did security and programming for them. So I was always around it at a young age, and I noticed that I would get pulled into either like my one of my military jobs was a 25 Bravo, and mm-hmm. that's information technology. And I got pulled into that within the first three to four years of being in the military. I've, I've been in the military for 17. And that was one of, I went from doing resource management into rebranching into information technology. I tried to get out of it, it couldn't, kept getting sucked in. <laughs> uh, did this rotation with the special ops where I worked on radios and then started learning about the electromagnetic spectrum. That actually led me down the path of becoming a warrant officer in the army. Uh, and I branched as a new branch called Electronic Warfare, mm-hmm. which I'm thinking I'm out of IT. It's not, I'm right. done. I figured it out. I passed out of it. Yeah. And then the next yeah. thing you know, a couple of years ago, the brand, Army decided to rebranch and put EW, Electronic Warfare, under cyber. So here I am again, going right back into cybersecurity. <laughs> and it was uh, it was last year when I did a mobilization into Europe where I went, I went out as an electronic warfare officer, yet I was doing a ton of cyber operations and cyber planning and cyber policy development. And I really started digging into the policy side and I started realizing there's so much more to cybersecurity. And I look forward to us talking about this in more depth uh, with our audience to let them know, like there's so much more than just coding. Right. And that's what right. I thought, like, I don't want to code. I don't want to, I don't want to do help desk because I've done help desk. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do like network infrastructure, but there's so much. And that's when I started realizing this is a field that I could actually see myself in. And so it wasn't until last year that I really dug into it. And then I started really just developing out my skill sets within this sector. So it was a slow progression for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And it's kind of a familiar message. I remember, you know, General Fogarty spoke at a, I think, TechNet uh, a year or two ago and, you know, kind of shared what you were just mentioning with the Army, right, standing up to Cyber Command and, you know, after being active for a year or so, realizing, okay, there's cyber, but there's also so much more to this that we need a bigger, you know, we need to encompass a lot more into this, what we're doing, right? So the whole um, intel, you know, the whole information and data, electronic warfare, grouping it all together and and kind of treating it as a, as one big family instead of just, you know, really one, one aspect of cybersecurity that we know today. So that's awesome. Yep. Um, that's really cool. It, it sounds like you just can't outrun it. You cannot outrun uh, cyber, it seems like. So that's good. No, I can't. <laughs> so um, I know right now you're you're working uh, for, this is, is it your first like uh, commercial company you're working for? I know you've always done, you know, been very heavily involved DOD, active duty, and then kind of contracting. And now you're, you're in, out in the commercial space, correct? 
Yeah, it, it, this is my, this is actually my second, my first job that I took right out of the military was actually with FireEye and I loved working there. And that was my first jump from basically working public into, into, or private into public sector. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. And then I really went from FireEye to now working at a larger organization and also a financial institution, which People in this industry are just like, why would you work for a financial institution? Because <laughs> it's what I didn't realize is it's its own beast. It, you have your you have unique threat actors, and you just everything's very different in that threatscape. It's been a great learning experience, but the yeah the the overall just dynamics and culture is definitely completely different than the military or DOD. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's really yeah. that's a cool insight because a lot of the you know, guests and the, the topics that we've, it's been really focused on DOD specifically, which is obviously a, a large portion of, of our efforts um, in cybersecurity. But with the financial institution, I mean, you've, you've, we've seen all the news and seen, you know, obviously if, if something goes wrong um, in their industry, it's, it's breaking news. Millions and millions of people could be impacted. You know, we saw the, the whole breach. I can't remember what year, you know, the big Equifax breach was, but obviously all mm-hmm. the, you know, media storm that, you know, and really pain that it caused a lot of people. So how did, um, you know, your company now that you're working for, how did that shift their, their thinking, their priorities, you know, what they were prioritizing in terms of their security? Um, and and it, I don't know, maybe it impacts what you do today. But if you would share a little bit about about that. Well, any organization that is a growth mindset organization, so the organization I work for we, is, you know, obviously pushing forward and cutting edge in a growth organization. And with that, you've got to be, you've got to try to be in front of your adversary. This cybersecurity is a cat and mouse game. You hear it all the time. And what they have done is they continue to advance either their their tool sets, their their Intel platforms, their teams, the infrastructure that they that they work with internally within the cyber teams. It's a constant. How we say in the military, you're always your uh, your foxhole is never finished. Mm-hmm. You're always fixing your foxhole and making it better to prevent any attacks from the adversary. Or if you do get attacked, you're in a better defensive posture. And that's what that's what any good uh, organization should be doing. And I'm talking around it because I obviously can't tell tell you exactly what we're doing within right. the organization for confidentiality. Right. But that's the premise of it. It's You've constantly, and we'll dive into this too, in this industry is a growth industry and you've got to be willing to learn because your adversary is ever-changing. It's it's just constantly, you've got emerging threats every single day and tomorrow there might be a new malware strand that we've never heard of. You you never know and it could hit and, you know, it could be like WannaCry. And right. you don't know, you have to be prepared for that at all times. Yeah, and I think that's that may be this, this whole kind of, topic is is maybe the coolest part of what I what I really would would think our inter- our listeners would be interested in because I think you know traditionally there's this almost misconception of IT as you know it's my desk job uh, slow you know could be boring typing on a computer and it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing every day and it's quite quite literally never the same thing any day um, the more I learn about about cybersecurity and really it doesn't really even matter what position or what your job is, but if you're working directly with cybersecurity and, and protecting or um, or even on the offensive side, nothing is the same, in, you know, every day. So 
Would you agree with that? I mean, would, do your days ever look exactly the same or is it always something new? I would say that's a fairly accurate assessment. It really depends on the environment that you're working in, how dynamic it's going to be. If you're in, you know, a SOC environment that that you're receiving these alerts that are going to be coming in on a regular basis, it could seem almost mundane because you are having these alerts come in. Some of them might be false positives, but a lot of times you're going to see things that you're going to have to research and you're going to have to pivot on. So even though you know what your job is, what you're doing, there is there is constant change. There's different things that you're going to have to look, look for. You're not going to use the same tool every day. This isn't one of those jobs where you're going to sit down and you know that you're going to just look at X, Y, Z. It, maybe on Monday and Tuesday, but Thursday and Friday you might get an alert where you're like, okay, you need to pivot. It might be, you know, a certain severity. Um, it's definitely changing. The biggest thing I would say is within this, within this industry, you have to be hungry and you have to be willing to take the time to dig in, read and educate yourself. That's probably one of the number one things that could discourage people because outside of yeah, it's ever changing and there's it's it's constantly your you, your days are different there is that aspect of that growth and that education portion that if you don't do it you'll lag behind and your peers will pass you up and you might get you might actually be laid off from the company because when the adversary changes and you're not ready to change why you're as strong as your weakest link why would we keep you on the team yeah so it's a very i wouldn't see a dog eat dog like but it, we are very much where we're a community and we work together. And if somebody in your team isn't wanting to grow and mature and be constantly moving with you, um, then it won't, they won't last for very long. Yeah. It just kind of wouldn't yeah. work very simply, you know? And so that's, that's cool. I mean, I, I know for a lot it of, is. a lot of people, that's a really exciting challenge, right? To always kind of be yes. um, in that, like you mentioned earlier, your company was growth. You have to be growth minded uh, just to kind of be competitive in the field. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I know there's, there's so many different things that I, I want to get to and want to make sure that we, we touch on, but, um, I, I feel like we could talk for hours, but, you know, get, moving on a little bit, um, back to talking about your, your military experience. And like you said, 17 years, right? Yes. 17. Wow. So first off, thanks for your service and, and all you've done uh, for us. And I know we all appreciate it, but, um, in that, uh, current state where we are today and, and maybe maybe the, the you know your your private sector or i mean public sector position could could influence this as well but if you look out into you know the next two years as a horizon what do you see or i guess what do you, it could be your own view or or just kind of what the industry collectively what you've heard what are some of the biggest challenges that you think we'll have to overcome or at least face in the next two years yeah, that's a really good question. And it's very, it's going to be, it's very multifaceted. I believe that the first thing is, so we're all working in a remote environment. And with that, it, there are new, new challenges. There are new threats to that. And so one of the first things, first three things that I can think of that would, that are going to be the biggest impacts just immediately are going to be obviously that employer awareness because that em that uh, employee awareness because that employee is your first line of defense 
And that if we stay a virtual workforce, which it appears that a lot of a lot of us are going to stay that way even after this pandemic, how is that going to look on our threatscape? How can we increase our security posture and our security hygiene to protect our infrastructure, even though we have a remote workforce? So that's going to be very important. Another thing to take into consideration with that is understanding to do that successfully with a lot of organizations to increase that security posture, they're going to have to move to a cloud environment. And I actually wrote a blog about this or an article in my blog about this is there's a, still a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are still organizations that are running on a legacy enterprise system that refuse to go to a cloud enterprise. And that's going to be a challenge for us organizationally, just, and I'm talking as a whole for a community as a whole, because until we can move to this cloud infrastructure, it's going to be challenging to have certain things to come into play like AI and machine learning, um, which are going to be critical for us as we grow into compliance and risk management. Yeah. And those, that, those pieces of the puzzle, because AI and machine learning, it's here. And it might not be perfect, but that's going to be a huge challenge that we're going to have to look at, gosh, in the next in the next year. I. I we're we're seeing it now, but one of the ways that AI and machine learning is so successful is through the cloud environment. And you, we need to start getting some more of these legacy enterprises into that environment. And then um, probably the third thing. So we've got we've got employee employee awareness, we've got cloud infrastructure. And then the third thing I would say is our legislation and our policy. Yeah, I'm a big policy nerd. I I haven't <laughs> spent a lot of time reading on it lately, but I'm one of those people I, I literally love to sit and read about the policies because when I was deployed last year, some of the issues that I saw running cyber operations or just doing planning for cyber operations, not running them, uh, there was a lot of impediment because of the lack of clear policy that we had. With, and I'm speaking from the DOD. I know that um for public sector it's a little bit different or for um private sector it's different but for public and dod we didn't have a clear path so that is something that we're really going to have to work through and figure out what are those the, what are those national strategies going to look like for us because the key right now for us to be successful with not only protecting our organizations but our borders is having a strong international relationships and alliances with other countries and right. other organizations as a whole. Yeah. So, That's an, yeah. a really, really cool point. Um, and, and well, really a few things that you mentioned in there. One, even in my question, right, I said the, the next two years, but what if I asked that question a year ago today, and then obviously all the events that have, have COVID could, yeah, yeah. come at us, right? The, the two-year right. kind of goals or, or challenges or even opportunities turned into next month or, or in the next few mm -hmm. weeks and, and organizations had no option. Whereas, you know, in a typical circumstance, they do. They have the option to prioritize. Um, so it was a really, you, you just kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, um, you know, how we can even prioritize it. What, I don't know, going forward, it's almost hard to um, prioritize what, what you want to do versus what's just absolutely critical because you never know. Um, and with that, I mean, the policy and, and some of the regulations, all that stuff, and we've seen a lot of in just acquisitions and the way the government is trying to speed up the, the actual process of getting, getting uh, services and, and technologies in place that they need. Um, 
like like you said, on for cloud migrations or for for agencies trying to get to the cloud quickly. Um, we've seen some changes in acquisitions. How do we, as industry or you know, just civilians, is there any way for us to influence or to, I don't know, speak up on on uh, why we need to change those and really kind of influence the actual change we want to see? Now, are you talking about seeing an influence in change within going from legacy enterprise systems to the cloud infrastructure? Is that what your question is really premised on? Well, more so in like, you know, some of the quote red tape or regulations that might be holding up um, government from advancing. And this, this could be an outdated question because we may have already kind of, you know, developed past some of the roadblocks and red tape that has been there. But when you, when you were talking about when you were deployed and some of the um, just regulations you had to follow that kind of prohibited what, what we could really do, I guess that's all in the government's hands at this point, right? The biggest, okay, I get, I understand your question. Making impacts within the policy, uh, policy and legislation piece. And this is a great question. This is something that I was actually working towards when I got back initially from my deployment uh, last year is I wanted to get more because I was fresh. I had just come back. I had just seen some of the the issues that we were dealing with on the like the battle space front of the, you know, right, uh, right there. Right. Uh, fighting it and I wanted to see a change and it was challenging to become involved with it on my on my own but what I realized is the approach that needs to be taken outside of you know contacting your senator would be read my first thing is get knowledgeable and read about it um, I would recommend picking up the um, going to going online I'm trying to think of it it is called the defense uh, the Defense Department Cyber Strategy, I believe is what it is. Defense Department Cyber Strategy of 2018. Also the National Cyber Strategy. And then the big one, which is the NDAA, the National Defense um, Association Act. Is that right? Sounds oh, right. So sounds right to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. NDAA. Look those up and read about them. You've got to educate yourself first before mm -hmm. you can act. Understand what you're acting for. And then, because there's multiple different policies. And then after that, there's a ton of nonprofits and there, there's a lot of different organizations that I would encourage people to just Google and research and they can volunteer and become part of and they're grassroots. And they're the ones that are making the big push and the changes in these in these policies and development. But you have to get educated first because you're gonna walk in there and if you don't know what you're talking about, you'll get pushed out very, very quickly. Right. So that's, right. yeah. That's awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a note, maybe at the, if we have some time at the end of the, at the episode here, maybe you could share some of those, any groups that you're familiar with or that you uh, interact with, um, that might might help some people if they want to, if they do want to get involved. We might um, you know share some ideas that you have towards the end of the, sh end of the show. So I appreciate that. Um, so that's good. And then really quickly, you, you mentioned it, huge topic. I think in every uh, in pretty much every organization right now, the whole cloud, right? The big bad cloud. How do we get there? We need to go there. What is it? Um, all the misconceptions and all just the uncertainty. But now a lot of the reality of, of having no option to get there. Uh, we've seen a lot of organizations and agencies. I mean, I think government um, agencies this year made probably more progress in, in moving to the cloud than they have in the past few years combined. Where do you see the biggest, um, I guess, hesitancy, hesitancy still 
with organizations that you said were kind of holding back on still using their legacy systems, et cetera. Why do you think that is? So I'm glad you brought this up because I actually wrote an article about this because I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> um, the biggest things that I saw through my research, and there's a lot of data out there uh, on this, but the biggest things I saw and I believe were cost, um, costs associated with transferring a large amount of data from a hard structure infrastructure into a cloud environment can cost a lot of money. Um, an example I put in my article was, uh, just to give you a general ballpark, is for per terabyte of data can run between one to $2,000 per terabyte. And wow. Amazon, for example, has 1.2 million terabytes. Oh my God. That is a lot of money just to transfer data to the cloud. So that's one. Then the second piece is these organizations, some of them are run by older executives that still want to have that hands-on control of their servers. That's a big thing. They yeah. don't want to let go of those servers. And, and that's it. That's the bottom line. And I get that. It's that I want to have hands on it. I want my secure server room right here. I don't want anybody to touch it. So some of those organizations are actually trying a hybrid approach where they work through like AWS, for example, uh, and they will have part of their system on the cloud and then part of it on the infrastructure. And it's kind of like they're, t they're basically dipping their toes in the water to get comfortable with it before they actually go full bore into cloud infrastructure or transferring the data slowly over into cloud infrastructure. Yeah, no, I yeah. love it. And those, I think cost is, is obviously one that, you know, it's going to be a, 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 yeah. at least, if not a concern, probably most, most companies first question. Okay. Sounds good. How much does it cost? Right. So that's a very real yeah. one. And also just the, and I'm, I'm kind of liked it. I mean, I like to control a lot of, you know, I'm probably guilty of wanting control over stuff. Right. And especially with my work, but you know, it's just, a, I guess a mindset, right. That it just has to shift. Um, due to the environment, the whole, you know, idea of having control and being able to go physically touch and feel data and files and whatnot. It's just different. It's still safe, but it's different. Right. And I think that's the big, it is the big piece. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from, from kind of that area of, of uh, what we're, what we're talking about with challenges and, and just what's, what's on the horizon. If you were to think um, it, this could be you know, active duty um, or, or side projects or what you're doing every single day, what is it that you're most excited about? If you had to narrow it down to one thing, um, you know, related to cybersecurity, what's the one thing you're most excited about? Um, and it could be a challenge or it could be an opportunity or something you're working on, but just the one thing that really, really gets you going when you think about it. Oh, gosh. Uh, for cybersecurity, and I would probably go back to, because I thought, I would say AI and machine learning. Even yeah. That is going, that falls within cybersecurity, within the operations. It's going to have an impact on cybersecurity. I am extremely excited to see the growth that this will allow us to have within, again, compliance, risk management, being able to actually look through a, a massive amount of data, data in a short period of time to be able to actually create clear, concise, and more um, accurate risk assessments on data is going to be phenomenal. And then being able to pivot off that and maybe use that, and we already are, machine learning 
to uh, go up against our adversaries. I'm so excited to see where this technology takes us in the next year to two years, five years. It's going to be, we're not going to be where we're at today. Uh, we're going to be in a completely different place than we are where we are today. And I truly believe that machine learning and AI is going to be the reason that we're going to go there. One of the reasons that we're going to go there. Yeah. No, obviously you hear um, so much about both those. And, and honestly, I, I know I could probably tell you what it is, but as far as what, I guess the benefits, I, I, for some reason, I think there's a lot of, you know, AI robots taking over the world. Like there's a, there's a bunch of that misconception of just it's kind of scary, I guess, because a lot of people don't understand it, right? Fear is just you know, I understand fear is just of not knowing, right? We're scared of what we don't know. What what are some of the positives or the the benefits to those technologies? Like, what's it going to do for organizations once we really implement those and it's running successfully? What would that do to an organization? <laughs> One of the biggest things that I see that AI, and I am not, I want to preface that I am not an expert in this field. <laughs> I've studied through universities. I, I've seen the machine learning through tip portals, uh, Intel portals that we utilize. So I'm no, by no means an expert. But one thing that I have seen is the data-driven approach that it takes and the technology is able to collect just a massive amount of data and then aggregate that data and it can plug it into an enterprise and then we can learn from it in a faster quicker time period and why that's so important is prior to ai and machine learning you would uh you would receive data and you would have one individual go through that that analysis and that data very, very slowly well, with machine learning and AI, it can speed up that product process exponentially. And that's one of the biggest things for me as an analyst working in CTI and being able to basically turn information around large amounts of information around in such a quick period of time is just going to give us a cutting, it'll be cutting edge for us to be able to go up against our adversaries. So I, yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Gonna be awesome. Gonna be more more efficient, uh, more secure. And I, I, what one thing that I see, just in my job every day, there's so many tasks that people people are creative. I, you know, I, I believe people are creative and talented, have their own strengths. And there's so much time that we spend doing things that are important and necessary, yet not really not you know challenging our creative, um, you know, pieces of of our ability. Right. So. I think it's going to allow people, hopefully, to explore more of their strengths and their their creative side, and let some of those automated tasks and stuff like that that we're spending so much time on be handled by uh, some nice, friendly robot type thing <laughs> that I, that I don't understand. So I think it's going to be awesome as well. So <laughs> awesome, awesome. So you, you've obviously one thing I think I noticed right off the bat was just kind of the the network, and, and you know we've we've spoken a few times and. Um, you know, I've even, you, you've helped me set up some conversations with, with people around the industry and um, been really helpful and knowledgeable. Your, your network is, is so vast. Um, one thing that I think that's really cool is it's, it's really a, commu a community of, of folks that are passionate about cybersecurity and, you know, from all different backgrounds. Could you speak a little bit to, to what that, you know, means to you? I mean, what's the support been like from the community of folks that you've interacted with and that you know um, through working in the field? 
Yeah, this is such an important key for anybody that's wanting to get into this this industry is it is about the community and it's about the people that you know. Uh, the job doesn't get done by yourself and you have to you have to be willing to allow and work with the community that you're with. Don't silo your work. And when I came out of the military, the military is not it is a community and it is a family, but there's a lot of times that you work autonomously and you just get stuff done. Even though you have a team, it's it's very, it's different. It, it's hard to explain, but it is different than being out here in the civilian world because you've got different Slack groups, uh, Twitter, which I don't participate in. Uh, there's a Twitter, there's a ton of Twitter groups out there for cybersecurity. You've got LinkedIn, which I, I love, and that's where I've really developed my cybersecurity presence in my community. Mm -hmm. But these individuals are going to be the individuals that when you run into a problem, or for example, today I was doing research on a malware called TrickBot and I'm writing, um, I'm just writing a general report about it. And I was stumbling because I don't have a lot of information about, I don't personally know a lot about this this type of malware. So I reached out to somebody that I knew did. And even though I just spent two hours researching, which is amazing, and I recommend research first before you ask. Mm -hmm. Once I asked him, he clarified all my questions. But you can't you can't do that if you don't have that network. So build your network. And on top of building your network, make sure that you realize that this is just a, a process and make those relationships last. Don't don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to get this person and get this job. And it's it's a network for a reason. And it's a community. It's a very and once you're in the community, you're part of the family. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And that's that's always good. It's always good to, to know that you have, um, OK, this might be new to me. This might be a little scary. But hey, there's look at all these people that that are also figuring out stuff and maybe confused with some of the same things that, that I am. Because, hey, end of the day, some of the stuff is just new. And that's and that's part of the excitement yes. um, with everything going on is, hey, there's, this is not a, you know, 200 year old um, business that has operated the same way. for No, it's new, like we talked about earlier, all the time. So there's going to be things that come up that you just have to learn and be OK with not knowing um, for the time. So that, that's awesome. Um, and, I, and I ask that I know it's one of the things that's, that's attractive to um, just the industry in general. Um, if we were to narrow it narrow it down a little bit into okay if i'm if i'm in high school today or middle school um you know, i just got done with recess whatever eating my after school snack i'm, I'm thinking about what i want to be when i grow up what, what's your case for for you know explaining to to that person why cybersecurity is so attractive and why why their time would be uh well you know best invested in, in choosing a career in cybersecurity Uh, the first thing that I would tell that middle school or high school or taking a break, eating that sandwich at, <laughs> at lunch time out in the, I miss PE. Right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> so I would tell them, get a course, go and educate yourself just a little bit, uh, like security plus, or take a Udemy course or something on penetration testing or cyber um, ethical, ethical hacker, cyber ethical hacker, something like that. And the reason for that, it's very hard to sit down and 
say, I think you might be good at this, or here, here are some of the options that you could do within cybersecurity, just as cyber threat intel, incident response, uh, penetration testing. But so outside of that and the skill set, what I would tell them is what we were just talking about is the community, um, being able to be part of something bigger than yourself, knowing that in this community, obviously there are there are rude people everywhere you go, but generally in this community, if you have a question and you don't know something, it's actually, we appreciate people that come forward and say, I don't know that, then try to be that guy. And there is always that guy that pretends that he knows about <laughs> said malware or said vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But in this community, you can't fake it to make it. You need to know your skills. And by being comfortable and confident enough to say, I don't know that, teach me, this community will generally step out and say, yeah, I've got you here. I'll, let me show you that. Uh, we're big on mentor and mentees. It's a huge thing in this community. So I would definitely say that. You're going to hopefully get find somebody, ask them to be your mentor. But outside of that, you need to dig into the industry and just start learning. Talk to those industry professionals, get on LinkedIn, meet those people, talk to them, maybe have them show you what their day to day operations look like so you can get a feel for it. And then the other thing I would say is realize that however you start, you're probably not going to end there. That's not going to be your end all. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, myself. I, I left the military, I went into FireEye, I was doing analyst work, and it was great, and I loved it, but then I got moved over to the company that I'm in now, and I'm, I'm still doing analyst work and CTI work, but it's more CTI, and it's more customer development, and other, I'm doing like development overall instead of just threat hunting mm. and any incident response. I do some of that still, and, but I enjoy like I said, I love policy. I love policy. I love that. So get into it, figure out what you want to, you think you want to do, and then realize it's okay to pivot. People pivot yeah. all the time. So pivot, pivot around, get to learn it, and then you'll start building your network. And then the next thing you know, heck, next uh, incident responders on our hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Then they'll be talking on a podcast, you know, in, here in a few years. So, and that's cool. And, and one thing that um, Tom Barnes mentioned too kind of that goes along with that is there's jobs that that are going to be needed in the next six months year 10 years that we have no idea what they are right so the whole the your whole idea of just getting getting a taste getting involved um learning educating yourself um and who knows that the job that you might be really called to do might not even be a thing yet right because we're, we're still uncovering so many different aspects of, of what's needed to defend, but also to, to get in front of uh, threats that are advancing every every day. So there's just so much unknown and, and growth in front of, I think, the entire industry, not just in, you know, defense, military, but, um, you know, healthcare and, and retail mm -hmm. and, and, you know, manufacturing, literally every industry um, that, that uses computers and, and or, or even cell phones in any regard is going to need people to, to be experts and in this craft, right? So I think that's another really, really cool benefit uh, that we've seen. Yeah, it's definitely a career field that's not going away at all. <laughs> right, right. Um, and if it does, maybe something really drastically bad or maybe drastically could happen, who knows? But yeah, probably not going to happen. Right. So, um, well, cool. So I think that that's a lot of the, the questions I, I had kind of prepared, but I did want to kind of touch on 
what you were mentioning earlier as far as you know all the the organizations and nonprofits um, that are that are been spun up and doing really cool things to, to better whether it's education or uh, free training or it's like cyber patriots who, who are letting you know elementary school kids um, participate in capture the flag type events like what are what are some organizations or you know websites any any tools or groups of, of people that you know if, if someone's listening has interest where could they go um, to kind of get a little bit more such a great question. I'm so excited you asked it because I have a wealth of knowledge on that, but I don't want to overwhelm anybody <laughs> on here and like spew it. So what I will say is this. Uh, first thing, check out my blog. Uh, it is called Beans and Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. So Beans and Bites, like coffee beans, tech bites, beansandbitesblog.com. I have an article in there that will actually offer i think there are three different online resources for education platforms and i'm not talking about like sans institute for six thousand dollars right i'm talking about yeah. cyber or udemy for the certifications are honestly sometimes free when udemy is doing a sell you can get i have a c ceh class that i got for 20 bucks that's usually 180 dollars wow. so i recommend um check out udemy cyberry uh, the other thing for nonprofits to, if anybody's wanting to get into like OSINT, open source intelligence, Trace Labs, just exactly how it sounds. Trace Labs is a nonprofit that works with law enforcement around the world that go after and hunt missing people. Like we will, each month they do what is called the capture the flag. Mm -hmm. And I'm on a team each month and I was actually brought in by another CTI analyst uh, through a Slack channel. We've never even met. We were on a Slack channel. She reached out about something. I, I tried to help her with finding some additional information on it. And then she recruited me for Trace Labs. And it is a phenomenal experience. So those are, I would say, check out the blog. That article um, has all of those online resources. And then Trace Labs, that'll help you with um, your OSINT. Oh, and then one more is if you're wanting to get into digital forensics or um, IR incident response. There is a website called DFIR Madness, and that actually has a ton of free labs in there that you can do PCAP review, all of that. And the individual that runs the site is just an amazing, amazing war hero, and he would help you out if you just reached out to him. He's amazing. So, yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, Trace Labs. So, so they actually provide information that you can actually help, were you saying, like recover or, or solve like missing persons? Was that, that's kind of their mission, Trace Lab? Yeah, so what they do is you will be assigned a certain like six to 10 package, packets that are like folders, it's all electronic obviously. And then you'll go in and you'll have your team. And when you go in, you, you have your folder of the individual, there's always a fo photo in there and then there's details of the last time, last known location, la what they were wearing. And then you research that individual as best as you can. And then you submit that information to their, and I say air quotes, their judges. And then their judges evaluate the accuracy and the type of data that you sent forward. And then you get points off of that. So even though there's a game-ism, is real life. And just last month, 
they were able to identify um, where a person was because of how he took his selfie and the reflection in the glass showed a building behind oh him and they were able to get the information off the building behind him and triangulate located at to be able to find last note one of the last known locations from the photo that was taken yeah it's really cool i've learned i've been on uh, three i didn't get to make last month which was last weekend i think uh because of work but it's uh, yeah i can't say enough just get in there and again this will this is a great opportunity it's 20 bucks goes to the nonprofit. you get a you'll be added to a team so you get to build your own network if you don't have a team build your own network meet these people uh but then you get to see do i like osint which because osint is going to be something you do if you get into cti right. and, and a lot of this work can be pivoting off of uh indicators of compromise so it's a great it's a great way i love trace labs yeah. yeah that sounds that sounds awesome that sounds really awesome and, I, and i'll fun. put i'll make sure to put um your blog and, and trace labs and dfir um, all all those links in the in the show notes for folks that are interested um and then obviously linkedin um just just search jacks uh scott you you won't miss her um on LinkedIn, and Jax, I always, I can pretty much count on it that every morning when I when I log on, I'll see some type of cool article or just something from Jax that she shared or post on LinkedIn. So that's probably the best way for folks to to uh, engage with you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Please hit me up, message me. If if I don't have the answer, I will absolutely find it for you. Love it, love it. Well, well thanks so much, Jax. I wish we had more time. I know we could we could talk on this stuff forever. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll do another episode about uh, more specifics as they come up. But thank you for your time. I know people are going to love hearing your perspective and thoughts on this stuff. And uh, can't wait to talk soon. Thanks again. I love it. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. Have a good one.